Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome to week two of Women in Horror Month. Just a couple of reminders before I hand you off to our mistress of the macabre, Meredith Morgenstern. First, another quick plug for our narration editor, Andrew Gibson's latest audiobook adventure, Chad Ryan's Ghost River, a tale of horror and dark magical realism set in a world where harpies haunt the hills, demons dwell in darkness, and a lonely girl commands giant earthworms that tunnel between worlds. I've been itching to get through my current listen to dive in. You can get your own copy of Ghost River and enjoy a dark tale told in the incomparable tones of Andrew by heading over to Audible. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you do, be sure to leave a rating and a review. Speaking of ratings and reviews, we're still on the hunt for some bite-sized morbid morsels to put under our judge's gaze. Our Changing Seasons Flash Fiction Contest is begging for your submissions. I'm begging, too. Those digits I told you were in jeopardy last week? Well, they're still attached. For now. But, judging by the sound of gnashing teeth outside my window at night, 
I'm worried they won't be for long. So please, do your worst. Tales up to 1,500 words on the horrors of the changing seasons. And if you win, that means 50 bucks in your pocket and your work published on the show. Please, it's going to be tough to podcast without pointers. I'm counting on you. TalesToTerrify.com slash Flash Contest And now, let's celebrate our second installment of Women in Horror Month and see what Meredith's cooked up for us. Good evening, children of the night. Welcome to the second episode of 2023's Women in Horror Month. As I mentioned last week, this year it's my honor to introduce you to five writers making their terrifying horror novel debuts. Each week I'll spotlight a new author adding her voice to the great halls of horror fiction. I have a devilishly wide selection of horror styles to choose from, so I hope you find something that gives you nightmares. This week's debuting author spotlight falls on P.L. Watts. P.L. Watts escaped the Florida foster care system and zigzagged across the U.S. making merry and mayhem. She now lives in eastern Washington with a demonic little yellow cat in a house made entirely of TBR books. When she is not reading philosophy or consuming cheese, she is usually writing dark things reaching toward the light. Her queer gothic novella, The Bonnie Swans, was published in January from Cemetery Gates Media as part of Mother Horror's My Dark Library series. Her gritty, transgressive personal essays have appeared in New Letters, Ruminate, The Florida Review, Nightmare Magazine, and elsewhere. She's currently working on an experimental essay collection, The Trauma Plot, and another dark historical fantasy, The Birth of Arthur. Here's a little bit about P.L.'s debut, The Bonnie Swans, published in January 2023 by Cemetery Gates Media. When Anne O'Donnell arrives on a dock in France in 1789 with no memory of her past, she allows herself to be renamed Marguerite and taken in as governess for Melian, the petulant daughter of the rich merchant Donatien Marais. But the chateau holds many secrets some of them deadly. Can she remember her own secrets and discover those around her in time to save the child and herself? You can buy the Bonnie Swans at Amazon. Links will also be in the show notes. And remember that you can help aspiring ghouls like PL not only by buying these books, but with reviews on Goodreads, Amazon, and wherever else you lurk. And now I return you to the dark, Depths of Depravity with Drew. Thank you, Meredith. If that didn't whet your appetite for some dark, female-focused fiction, I don't know what will. And it just so happens we have exactly that. So without further ado, let's dive into our story. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We have one tale for you this evening, which comes from Adrienne Karasek. Adrienne Karasek lives in Arkansas with her husband, three sons, and two cats. The cats are named Cyrano and Ivanhoe. In her spare time, she enjoys writing fantasy, historical romance, and gothic fiction for adults. Children of the Night, join me for Adrienne Karasek's The Greymere Cliffs, a Tales to Terrify original. Teeth rattling, Mary leaned forward and rubbed the grimy window with her handkerchief, then peered into the gloom as the carriage rumbled over the rocky, ill-used road. It was late afternoon, the clouds dark as bruises. The bleakness of the sky echoed across the wide, barren landscape, scrubby grass, bare rocks, and the jutting cliffs of Graymere. The carriage swayed close to the cliff's edge. Her stomach flew into her throat at the sight of dark, churning waves far below. Focus, she told herself. Camilla needs a sensible companion. You'll arrive at the manor soon. Make sure she's well, get a good night's sleep, and feel better in the morning. Dread filled her veins at the thought of what she might find. Camilla sounded so frightened in her letters. The carriage swung around a corner so sharply a wheel scraped against the rock wall. 
Mary closed her eyes. I'm here for Camilla. She focused on her oldest and dearest friend, remembering her letters from the past 11 months since Camilla's marriage to Mr. Fortescue, when she'd moved to Greymere Estate in this godforsaken corner of northern England. Mary adored Camilla's sparkling green eyes, her wit, and her ability to find joy in even the dullest situations, such as a Bristol public ballroom. When they had come of age, their mothers introduced them into Bristol society. They giggled at the stuffy gentleman. And then he had arrived, Mr. Fortescue. Tall, ebony hair, pale flesh over sharp cheekbones, with a gleaming signet ring on his smallest finger with an estate in the north. He'd caught sight of the prettiest woman there. They'd danced, and Camilla's cutting remarks faded to dreamy smiles. Mary watched with shock as her dearest friend fell in love. A month later, Camilla married him, and Mary waved goodbye with a forced smile to the carriage, carrying her friend far away. In that moment, watching the just-married banner flutter in the wind, She hated Mr. Fortescue more than anything. The carriage grinded to a halt, shaking Mary from her thoughts. She peered through the grimy window. A gothic castle stared back at her, looming in the shadows. Bit dramatic, she chastised herself, opening the door and throwing down the step. Camilla had written that the manor house was more a medieval castle than grand country estate a moldering heap of gray stone. With moss and mold showing in the cracks, Greymere sulked on the edge of the cliff. An actual turret shot high, piercing the dark clouds above. No gaslights flickered through the dark windows. Mary gulped, tightening her grip on her valise. For an extra sixpence I can take you back to the village, came the coachman's dour voice. He eyed the house doubtfully from his perch. No, she said faintly. I'm visiting Mrs. Fortescue during her confinement. The man shrugged, pulling his old-fashioned tricorn hat low on his brow. Watch yourself. It's haunted. He clicked his tongue, snapped the reins, and the carriage rolled away. Mary threw her shoulders back. If this was the state of Camilla's home, no wonder her letters turned melancholy. Raising her chin, Mary ventured across the broken cobbles of the courtyard, up the lichen-covered steps, and gripped the rusty knocker. The door flung open before she could knock. Camilla filled the doorway, cheeks flushed and eyes shining. Mary, what are you doing here? One hand pressed against the stone doorframe, the other rested on her large, pregnant belly. Mary blinked. I wrote that I was coming. Oh! Camilla laughed, putting a hand to her cheeks. I must have forgotten. The days all run together here. Stung, Mary opened her mouth, but didn't know what to say. In the past, they'd been bosom friends, nice soulmates. And now Camilla hadn't remembered her visit? Delight flickered through Camilla's eyes, and she grabbed Mary's hand and tugged. Come in. I've missed you so. Mr. Fortescue will be pleased. We so rarely get company. She released Mary's hand once they entered the dim foyer and called over her shoulder. Simmons, please take Miss Phelps' things. Mary set her valise down to untie her bonnet strings, looking around. 
Camilla stood, hands protectively wrapping around her belly, beaming, her eyes feverishly bright. She was nearing slender, and it worried Mary. Camilla's collarbones were visible above the fichu, and her soft, rounded chin was sharper than Mary had ever seen it. Camilla was supposed to be a lush, bountiful woman with curves and powerful thighs. Slender wasn't right for her. Mary's alarm grew as she noted dust on the granite tabletops and streaks in the massive hanging gilt mirror. This wasn't like Camilla either. When they'd been girls, Camilla had delighted in envisioning her future household. A stiff, way-faced man stumbled forward, limbs jerking like a puppet on strings. Madam? He lurched for Mary's valise, his gray hair unfashionably long and falling across his face. Mary forced a smile. Thank you. She looked to Camilla. We can take tea while a housemaid readies a chamber for me if you like. Camilla flushed. No housemaids. There's just Simmons and Mrs. Faraday. She called to the butler and requested he pass along to the housekeeper that they'd take tea in the drawing room. Simmons grunted and left without a bow. Mary blinked. Only two servants for this massive house? Camilla drew Mary into a dreary-looking parlor, mildew staining the wallpaper. A fire burned in the fireplace, but it wasn't enough to banish the damp chill that hovered. Mary pursed her lips, taking a seat in one moldering wingback chair. How are you? Oh, Camilla blushed again. Good, good. Was she embarrassed? Flustered? By what? The state of her home? Or did she not want Mary to visit? Your home is beautiful, Mary said in the thick silence, wondering where her friend was. Mary had always been the awkward, quiet one, broomstick thin with mousy brown hair. Camilla let out a strangled laugh. It's terrible, I know. I had so many plans, but... She pinched her mouth shut. The pregnancy kept you from it, Mary guessed. Camilla opened her mouth, clearly searching for words, when the door opened and an elderly woman burst in with a tea tray. The woman was so frail she made Mary look full-figured. Her limbs moved with the same jerking motion as Simmons, and the china rattled on the silver tray as she set it down. With half a curtsy, the woman left again, making not a sound. Mary looked at Camilla in alarm. She should have retired ages ago. Surely there's younger people in the village willing to work. Camilla poured tea, gaze firmly fixed on the painted cups. The villagers dislike coming up here. They say it's haunted. I offered triple the normal rates for laborers, but not a soul appeared. The back of Mary's neck prickled. Is it haunted? She poured a dash of milk into her cup and sipped. I've not seen ghosts, Camilla picked her words carefully, but it has not been as welcoming a home as Mr. Fortescue promised. A sour feeling settled in Mary's stomach. And how is your husband? Are you still madly in love? Her heart clenched. Camilla blushed and stirred her tea. I'm glad you came. I've been lonely, especially with the baby coming soon. Despite her curiosity, she let Camilla change the subject. Of course, I was worried for you, for some of the things you said. Camilla waved it away. Pay no attention to my letters. I was emotional, worrying about the house and the baby and how to be mistress of this place. Mr. Fortescue set me right. 
I shouldn't have worried you unnecessarily. Mary frowned. You told me you feared for your safety, that the sea cliffs were beckoning. You heard noises at night, how the servants were more excited over this pregnancy than your husband. Are you still having nightmares? Camilla set her jaw and looked Mary in the face. Everything's fine. I just lost my head a bit. It's common for pregnant women. Mary was skeptical, but before she could argue, a deep, shuddering thud rolled up from the depths of the manor, billowing across the floor. She set a hand to the shivering tea tray. What was that? She stared at Camilla, eyes wide. Camilla's face pinched, faint shadows under her eyes. When the sea roughens before a storm, the waves hit the sea cliffs. Mary swallowed. But isn't the castle far enough back from the edge of the cliffs that this shouldn't shake the foundation? Camilla shook her head. Only a few feet separate the manor wall from the cliff. She wrapped her arms around her belly. But worry not. Greymere has stood for four hundred years, and it shan't be falling into the sea for four hundred more. Mr. Fortescue promised me. Are you certain? If we can feel the waves against the rocks, surely it must be weakening the foundation. Do you know the history of the place? Mary shook her head. The Fortescue forefather who built Greymere was a knight. Back then his house was nowhere near the sea. There was enough land to hold a hamlet further out, closer to the cliffs. What happened to it? Camilla shrugged. Over time the whole field was lost to the sea, but the village was settled further down near the shoreline where it's safer, and the Fortescues turned to business. They've never been a prolific family. One son begets one son begets another. Is your husband's family all gone? She nodded. His mother died giving birth to him, and his father passed away five years ago. Her voice dropped to a whisper. They say he went mad. I'm all he has. Camilla sighed. I'm sorry I forgot you were coming. This place has a way of making me forget the time, and with my nightmares I never sleep much. She rubbed her temple. Mary laid a hand on Camilla's shoulder. Why don't you rest now? I spent most of the day in the carriage. Let's both nap before supper. Camilla brightened. Yes, I'm sure your room is ready. Supper is at eight in the dining room on the main floor. When they were girls, they'd clamber into the same bed and whisper the night away. She'd fall asleep to the sound of Camilla's breathing. Camilla hauled herself out of her chaise. I'll be so happy to no longer be pregnant, she said with a laugh. It's dreadful, really. I can't wait for the baby to be here. Just a few more weeks, Mary murmured, following Camilla out the door. Camilla took a dusty lamp from a side table and brought her up a flight of stairs, down three twisting hallways crawling with shadows, into a heavy wooden door with an ancient lock. Here. Mary opened the door, but Camilla's hand clasped hers suddenly. Take this. Mary glanced down to see an old iron key in her hand. She looked up at Camilla in surprise. Camilla's face creased with worry. Just so you feel secure. For a heartbeat, her thumb caressed the soft center of Mary's palm. Do I need to lock my door at night? Camilla shook her head. No, the house is perfectly safe, but... She bit her lip, looking further into the shadowy corridor. It's for peace of mind. Her gaze flickered back to Mary's, and she smiled again. 
I lock my door every night. I want you to have the same option. Mary threw her arms around Camilla. I'm worried about you. I don't want you here. I wish we had a life together. I missed you, she settled on. Camilla wrapped her arms around Mary and held her close. Sisters again, she whispered. Mary's heart plummeted to her stomach. She'd never seen Camilla as a sister. Always, she agreed. Evening swathed the house. Mary woke short of breath and heart pounding from nightmares. Screams of anguish and fury echoed still, reaching past the boundaries of the dreaming world as she dressed. Mary shook herself free of fanciful notions, changing into a simple frock of dark blue, her hair in a low chignon, and slipped through the twisting dark halls to the dining room. She arrived first and took a moment to survey the dilapidated velvet chair upholstery, the cracked plaster in the corners of the room, and the chipped china place settings. How old was this place? Mary had assumed most of the original castle had been knocked down to make way for a modern estate house, but it appeared that its structure was mostly intact, as if the family had thrown plaster over the stone walls of the keep. The door opened. Mr. Fortescue paused, hands still on the knob, and stared at Mary. She swallowed her nerves and curtsied with a smile. Hello, I'm Camilla's old friend. Thank you for having me. He blinked. What are you doing here? Mary gritted her teeth through the smile. I'm here to help your wife through her confinement. His eyes sparked. Ah, yes, the baby is coming soon. Then he cocked his head, as if listening to something. After an awkward moment, he asked, How long do you plan to stay? Mary grappled for an answer. As long as Camilla needs me. He frowned, distracted, and made his way to the head of the table. We'll have to check with the servants, see if that poses any problems. Confused, Mary sat back down. Of course, she mumbled. Wasn't he the head of the house? After a moment of silence, filled by a ticking clock on the side table, Camilla glided in. Mary's heart skipped a beat. She clutched the edge of her seat with both hands. Oh, Camilla glanced between Mary and her husband. You're both here. Mr. Fortescue absentmindedly stood. Mrs. Fortescue? Camilla bit her lip, and Mary noticed how exhausted she looked. She rubbed her bloodshot eyes and took a chair opposite Mary. Another awkward silence ensued, Camilla fidgeting with her serviette. Finally, Mrs. Faraday and Simmons entered through a side door Mary hadn't noticed before, bearing dishes of food. They plunked the dishes of stewed vegetables down, then stomped back through the service door for the next set. When Mrs. Faraday returned, cloudy eyes disapproving, she set a half-burnt hock of ham in front of Mr. Fortescue. Mrs. Faraday, he said mildly, picking up the carving knife by his plate. This is Mary, he glanced up questioningly. Phelps, she supplied. Miss Phelps is here to help my wife through her confinement and will likely stay several weeks afterward. Weeks? the woman asked mutinously. Perhaps, Camilla said timidly, so unlike herself that Mary stared in surprise. We'll take it day by day. Master, Mrs. Faraday turned to Mr. Fortescue like a storm ready to unleash. With the sea turning harsh and our larder diminishing, I'm not sure it's a good idea for Miss Phelps to stay more than a day or two. 
Mary's eyes widened. What servant spoke to their master this way? Is it that much trouble, Mr. Fortescue continued, sawing at the unappetizing dish. Perhaps we can discuss Miss Phelps's schedule and see what meets approval. Camilla made a small sound of discontent. She's come so far. Mrs. Faraday glowered at Camilla. She's sturdy. She can turn around and go home, too. Camilla's face turned red, and she straightened in her chair, but her hand clutched her lower back, and she gasped. Mary flew from her chair. What's wrong? She crouched beside Camilla. Mr. Fortescue barely looked up from the meat. Thank you, Mrs. Faraday. We'll discuss and let you know our decision. She humphed away, not before glaring at Mary, as if Mary were an interloper. Camilla sagged against the back of her chair, hand falling in her lap. It's nothing, pardon me. Just a sharp kick, I believe. Mary eyed her, one hand on the edge of Camilla's seat. Are you sure? You're not going into labor now, are you? She's got a month yet, Mr. Fortescue stabbed one slice and dropped it on his own plate before returning to cut the next. No reason to panic. Mary shot him a disgusted look that he didn't notice. Camilla patted her hand. It's over now. Just a kick. The floor rumbled beneath them. Camilla closed her eyes and pressed her lips together. The rumbling went on and on, until even the silverware rattled against one another. Surely that wasn't just the waves, Mary gasped, standing upright when it ended. Mr. Fortescue placed meat on Camilla's plate. It happens all the time. It's just Greymere settling. There's a storm brewing tonight. It makes the sea pound against the foundation. Camilla opened her eyes and gave Mary a pained, apologetic smile. Even the servants promise this is normal, and they've served here for decades. Centuries, Mr. Fortescue added with a sarcastic twist to his lips. Throughout the meal, Camilla tried to keep up conversation, but her husband was too distracted, and Mary was too disturbed by the strange shapes the shadows made on the walls. When Camilla lurched to her feet and made for the drawing room, Mary followed with relief. Once inside, the two young women sat close on the chaise near the fire, leaving Fortescue to his port and cigars. I'm sorry, Camilla burst out, then dropped again into silence. Mary turned to her friend. I'm sorry for the dinner. I don't know why those servants are so rude, but it's abominable. They may treat me that way, but they mustn't get away with treating you that way. Heat stained her cheeks. And I wish I could make excuses for my husband, but that is his natural behavior. Has been for months. Mary's brow furrowed. Camilla, does he love you? Camilla's hands flew to cover her face. You think I'm a fool, she whispered. Mary's heart lurched. No, never. I thought he loved me. I wouldn't have married him otherwise. Her voice was muffled through her fingers. Mary nodded. Of course. Camilla's hands shook as she smoothed her skirt. We were happy for a while. He visited my bed often. But lately he has cooled toward me. I think he saw me as a means to an end. Get a wife, have an heir. And I loved him. Or I thought I loved him. Do you regret marrying him? Camilla sighed, rubbing her side. I knew my own heart far too late, after I wed him. She gave Mary such a longing look that Mary's heart panged in response. Does she mean? Mary couldn't breathe. 
It's too late for such questions, isn't it? Camilla hurried on. I've always wanted to be a wife, to have an intimate, loving relationship, to be a mother, and I suppose I should be grateful I'm getting two of the three. Suddenly she grinned and grabbed Mary's hand. He just kicked. Do you want to feel him? Yes. She let Camilla place her hand on the large belly and waited. Camilla's hand rested over hers. A sharp jab surprised her. She looked up at Camilla in delight. He's wonderful, she breathed. Camilla's fingers tangled with Mary's, keeping her hand against her belly, and smiled again. I love him, she confessed. The pulse in her wrist throbbed against Mary's, intimate and sweet. Mary's heart burgeoned, full of hope and joy at the feel of the tiny life inside Camilla. I love him too, she whispered. I promise, little one, I'll be the best aunt you could ever have. Screams hurtled down the twisting dark halls, striking Mary hard enough to wake her. She bolted upright, gasping. Another nightmare, the storm. Mary pushed the bed curtains aside to see the damp, cold room shine bright for an instant of lightning, then crash back into darkness. Thunder rumbled, and she shivered in fear. Would Graymere settle again? She didn't know how much more of this she could take, and it was her first night. High screams echoed loud enough to reach through the heavy door of her room. Camilla! Mary jumped out of bed and ran. Her bare feet slapped against the cold stone as she followed the sounds to Camilla's room. She shoved the door open, hinges creaking, and plowed in. What's wrong? And why wasn't the door locked? Behind her came scuffling in the hall, the dim glow of a candelabra encroaching. Camilla thrashed in her bed, hard enough to send the bed curtains flailing. Whimpers, followed by moans, reached Mary. Camilla, wake up! Mary threw back the curtains to find her moaning into her pillow, legs kicking and large belly emerging from the white sheets. Camilla whimpered, stilling for a moment. What's happening? Fortescue's deep voice cut through the darkness, making Mary jump. She glanced behind to see him in a dark banyan, holding one candelabra high. Nightmares, I think. Oh, is that all? He turned to go. Excuse me, sir, Mary snapped. Your expectant wife is frightened and ill. Candlelight flickered across his scowling features. And what am I supposed to do about it? Mary, Camilla moaned, clutching her hand. Mary turned back to Camilla. I'm here. What's wrong? The baby. He's coming. Mary's heart skipped a beat. But it's not time. Babies don't care for schedules. Mary took several deep breaths. Right, she looked at Fortescue. Go get the midwife. He glanced at the window where sheets of rain beat against the glass. Are you sure? Don't let them take my baby, Mary. Don't let them, Camilla groaned, rolling to her side and curling up protectively. Hush, sweetheart, no one's taking your baby, Mary stroked her friend's hand. They will. The whispers told me, Camilla insisted, gripping Mary's hand so hard it hurt. Fear skittered down Mary's spine. The melancholic atmosphere has gotten to you. The melancholin the melancholic atmosphere has gotten to you, that's all. But all will be well, I promise. She threw a glare over her shoulder at Fortescue. Promise? Camilla's eyes were wide in the darkness. I swear, she raised her voice. Our first step is retrieving a doctor or midwife.
Fortescue's shoulders slumped, as if he were imagining the wet and miserable ride to the village, and turned to go. He halted suddenly, nearly making two of the candles blow out in the cool air. No one needs to leave tonight. The words were whispered, yet still the hair on Mary's nape prickled. But if the babe's coming, Fortescue mumbled, stepping aside. Simmons and Faraday stood in the doorway, white and skeletal. All will be well, as long as everyone stays at the manor, Mrs. Faraday intoned. Alarm jolted through every bone of Mary's body. She's in labor. She needs medical attention. All the ladies of the manor had their children here. With only our aid, Mrs. Faraday stepped forward. Her ghoulish face flickered in the candlelight. She needs a doctor, Mary argued. Mary, don't let her near me. She'll take my baby, Camilla groaned, forcing herself upright against her pillows. Mary widened her stance on the cold flagstones, blocking the servant's view. Mr. Fortescue, if you are master of this manor, you shall ignore your servant's insolence and go at once. He hesitated. Remember the promise. Mrs. Faraday turned her head sideways to look up at him, an eerie, inhuman gesture. He stilled. I remember. Camilla dragged herself off the bed, standing behind Mary and gripping a massive poster. I've had enough! Hair streamed around her shoulders. Get out of my way! I'll walk to the village midwife if I have to! A crash of lightning rattled the window panes. Simmons growled in the doorway. It rolled across the darkness and surrounded them, blending with the thunder. Mary's heart leapt to her throat. She put a hand on Camilla's shoulder. Let's go! Mrs. Faraday's phlegmy eyes lit on them. She hissed, revealing rotted teeth. You'll go nowhere, not until we have our heir. He's my son, Camilla shouted, wrapping her arms around her belly. You can't have him! We are owed vengeance, and we shall take it, the housekeeper hissed. Her eyes filled with an unholy gleam. Simmons rumbled agreement. This is outrageous, Camilla cried, looking to Fortescue. Your son's life could be at stake. And Camilla's. Mrs. Faraday backed out of the bedchamber, and Simmons slammed the heavy oak door shut. Mary and Camilla screeched, flying to the door, but it was too late. A heavy click sounded outside, the lock turning. Furious, Camilla whirled on her husband. Do something! Fortescue slumped in a nearby chair. The candelabra sat on a vanity dresser, the one spot of light. He put his face in his hands and groaned. It's too late. They've trapped us. Mary clamped down on the terror racing through her body. I suggest you tell us exactly what is happening right now. Five generations ago, this house wasn't on the cliffs, he mumbled through his hands. There was a field with a hamlet before the cliffs dropped into the sea. Cliffs naturally erode over time, but there was a bad storm season. Huge chunks of rock fell until it reached the edge of the hamlet. One night there was a huge storm. Wind that could blow a grown man off the cliff, hail the size of a woman's fist. The cliffs shuddered, and the few families who remained pounded on Greymere's doors, begging for safety. But my ancestor refused. Fortescue's mouth twisted in a mocking smile. 
and when the storm ended two days later, the hamlet was gone, tumbled into the foaming sea. Camilla's mouth dropped in horror. How awful! She pressed a hand to her belly, wincing. What does this have to do with Camilla? Mary crossed her arms. He locked eyes with Camilla. There's a curse. I don't know how. My father said the rage and betrayal were so great that when the peasants died, the emotions ripped free of their souls and became spirits of vengeance. The servants, Mary breathed. They're not really servants at all, are they? No. His eyes never broke from Camilla's. They're the spirits. All Fortescue men go mad. The longer we stay away from the estate, the more time we have. But for that freedom, we must sire an heir. You cursed a child into this? Camilla's voice was rage turned to ice. You lied to me. You said you wanted a family. The wives tend to die in childbirth or go mad. Mary gasped. How could you condemn someone you love to this? Fortescue shrugged. I wanted more time. So you trapped me in this hellhole and trapped our son with your same plight. Camilla gripped her belly, contempt written across her entire body. You're despicable. Mary couldn't wrap her mind around the fury she felt. Instead, she focused on the task at hand. We need to escape or Camilla may die. It's hopeless, Fortescue drooped like a wilting damsel. Forgive me if I don't take your advice, Mary sneered. She turned to Camilla. I have a plan. Graymere shuddered beneath them suddenly, and a deep crack echoed below their feet, reverberating in Mary's bones. Camilla clutched Mary's arms. The cliffs! They're breaking! The two fought for balance, holding one another until the rumbling stopped. Then Mary grabbed the heavy, bronze candelabra and stood beside the door. Scream, she told Camilla. Camilla screamed. The high-pitched sound rose above the storm, echoing through the room and past the door. My baby! My baby! The scream turned deep and feral as a contraction hit her. She doubled over, gasping for breath, then screamed again. Mary's blood curdled in her veins, but Camilla held her gaze reassurance resonating between them. The lock clunked and the door swung open. Is it coming? Simmons stuck his ungainly head inside. Mary slammed the candelabra on his head. He, or it, gasped, turning to grab at her, but two of the candles fell out of their nozzle and rolled onto his shoulders. An unearthly shriek escaped his gash of a mouth. Shaking hands rose to free himself from the flames. Suddenly, he collapsed into a pile of dust and sea salt. Mary gaped at the pile on the flagstones. Was that all it took to defeat them? But then fog rose from the pile, menacing and cold. You, it growled, you dare to defy us. The words echoed through Mary's body. Camilla and I have nothing to do with your tragedy. Horror made Mary's body rigid. Please let us go. Our vengeance is upon us, it shrieked. You will not stay our desires. The fog, phantom, billowed in the air and flew past Mary into the room and enveloped Fortescue.
He gave a choked scream, surging out of the chair and batting at the fog surrounding him. Help! Camilla! Both women stared as he tripped on the uneven floor. He clutched at a curtain for balance, ripping it from the wall. A rumble shot up from below, cracking the mortar on the walls. The window shattered, shards of glass and letting plummeting into the seething sea and jagged rocks below. I shall not lose my prey, threatened the whispers. It swamped Fortescue, driving him back. I gave you what you wanted, Fortescue pleaded, but it was too late. His legs tangled in the torn curtain, and he tumbled out the broken window, screaming. Mary's feet stuck to the ground as the fog turned toward them. Run! Camilla slammed into Mary, sending her careening out the open door and into the hall. They held hands, fingers entwined, and ran from the raging spirit. Camilla grunted and faltered. Mary slowed. Contraction? Camilla squeezed her hand, then pushed onward. Keep going. As they reached the end of the dark hall, the foundation cracked far below them. A sound like thunder shot through the air, but it came from the bedrock. A window to their right shattered, glass flying like daggers. Mary yelped as pain sliced across her arm, cheek, and thigh. This time, the rumbling didn't end. It merely grew louder. Suddenly, Graymere broke, and the hallway tilted to the side. Camilla grabbed Mary before she could fall back toward the phantom coming near them. It's coming down! They scrambled over the broken glass despite bare feet. Across the hall, down steps swathed in shadow. Mary banged her shin against a fallen table. To the main stairwell, Camilla gripped the cracked marble balustrade, gasping for breath as another contraction must have rolled through her. The entry, what used to be the great hall, loomed like a pit below. Darkness crawled up the steps, straining to reach them. A pair of eyes glowed below. You cannot leave, Mrs. Faraday's words twisted through the darkness, reaching their ears like a serpent's tongue. He belongs to us. Mary peered through the gloom, searching for the door. A roar echoed behind them, and wind swept through, bringing freezing, needle-like rain. Camilla gasped. The ceiling! Another crack echoed, and Mary thought they would plunge through the floor and drown like the hamlet. Instead, a huge rock crashed into the staircase before them, shattering marble and sending dust and cobwebs flying. Mary choked on her breath. She couldn't hear anything anymore, not with the storm and Graymere crumbling into the sea behind them. Camilla turned to Mary. I want you to know. I love you. Mary squeezed Camilla's fingers. I love you too. No, Camilla grabbed Mary's face with her hands. I love you. And suddenly her mouth was on Mary's, soft and sweet, and everything Mary had ever dreamed it would be. Mary gasped into Camilla's mouth, delight and shock tingling down her limbs. Her toes curled in the rubble. She wrapped her arms around Camilla and stepped forward, bumping into her stomach. Camilla's fingers burrowed into her hair, and Mary saw bliss. The earth shattered around them, and she didn't care. Camilla broke the kiss, a shy smile playing across her mouth. I've wanted to do that for months. Mary couldn't breathe. 
or think, or... You'll die here, just like we did. Those eyes drifted closer. Camilla took Mary's hand and wrapped her other hand around her belly. Now? Mary squeezed and nodded. Together they charged down the stairs, sidestepping falling rocks, nearly toppling over a broken balustrade, when Greymere shuddered again. Their breath fogged the air, so cold was the storm. Mrs. Faraday waited at the bottom. Go, Camilla! Mary tore herself free from her friend, her love, and turned to attack the housekeeper. Not without you! came Camilla's anguished cry, punctuated by the deep groan of rocks breaking against one another. Think of the baby! Mary launched herself at the old woman. The spirit's eyes widened, and those long, bony fingers wrapped around Mary's wrists like brands. Mary bit back a scream of pain as she struggled, shoving the corporeal spirit backward. They stumbled over broken furniture, a torn carpet. The house moaned and quaked, and a fresh deluge of rain plunged through a new hole in the ever-widening gash in the roof. The staircase had nearly disappeared, tilting as the back of Greymere toppled into the storm. A crack shot through the middle of it, racing toward them as flagstones tumbled into the crevasse. Mary gathered her strength and twisted, bracing her bleeding foot against a broken baluster. She heaved with all her might and shoved Mrs. Faraday backward. For a heartbeat, she teetered on the edge of the crevasse, mob cap flapping in the icy wind, hands grasping at thin air. She screamed, a wail so desperate and furious, Mary shuddered. She plummeted, the darkness eating her whole. Mary sagged, pain radiating through her whole body. Greymere fell, and Mary fell too, off balance, slipping through puddles toward the crevasse. She scrambled for purchase, grasping anything she could. A broken vase tumbled past her, shattering into the black gorge. She gripped at the edges of broken stones, heart pounding in her chest. No! A hand grabbed her wrist, hard and hot and slick with blood. Don't you dare fall, Mary Phelps, Camilla threatened. Don't you let go. Tears burned Mary's cheeks. Never, she swore. The manor house tumbled and crashed around them, but Camilla dragged Mary up the sloping floor. They collapsed on one another, heaving for breath. And then they got up and ran. As they reached the stone gates, the entire castle crumpled and slid into the sea with a mighty crash. Rain soaked the women's nightgowns, and Camilla shivered, teeth chattering, as she bent over and groaned through another contraction. We have to get you to a midwife, Mary wrapped an arm around Camilla's shoulders. Can you walk? Camilla barked a laugh. Do I have a choice? But she stepped forward. They walked down the dirt path, their blood mixing with the mud. They staggered down the cliff toward the village below. Mary held Camilla tight, pausing and rubbing her back through the nightgown. Long grass whipped their calves as they stumbled onward, blinking through the heavy rain. Their only guide was the lightning that arced through the sky. Finally, finally, the warm glow of village lights emerged from the darkness. Weight rolled off Mary's back at the sight. She sighed with relief. We're safe. Camilla pulled her close. Safe 
and together. They walked into the village, hand in hand, ready to meet their child. That was Adrienne Karasak's The Greymere Cliffs, as read by Emily Strand. Emily Strand is a writer, musician, and college professor living in Ohio who really enjoys robots. Thank you, Emily. Well, children of the night, the hour is late and we've run out of tales to tell. For now. Tales to Terrify is made possible by the tremendous generosity of our supporters on Patreon and PayPal. Incredible fans like Amanda Carrillo, Amanda Gottfried, Kathy Robinson, Lessel Baxter, Orion D. Hegra, and Paul Belcher, whose generous support helps keep the lights on and flickering ominously. Not a supporter already? Head over to patreon.com slash tales to terrify, where you'll find all kinds of perks like ad-free episodes, bonus content, and one-of-a-kind collectibles and merch packs. Every dollar goes back into this show to make it as horrific as possible, and we appreciate it so much. Want another way to support the show that doesn't cost a cent? Head over to Stitcher, Podchaser, or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You'll not only put an unnaturally wide smile on our faces, but help new listeners discover our terrifying tales, too. Why not share your love of the show out in the world with some Tales to Terrify merch? TalesToTerrify.com slash merch will take you to our Tee Public store where we've got a great collection of creepy custom and curated designs that's always growing. Tales to Terrify is produced by Seth Williams, Meredith Morgenstern, Andrew Gibson, and myself, Drew Sebastini, with original theme by Nebulous Entertainment. Tales to Terrify is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Join us again next week as we cast you into waking nightmares with more Tales to Terrify. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 